Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Hi, my name's Kay. We are going to be reading from the Book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah. I'm going to start out with the cause of the martyrdom. John leaves no ambiguity about the reason the martyrs in Revelation 6 had been slain. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These martyrs will suffer death for the same reason John was exiled. In fact, John's description of the cause of the exile is almost exactly like his description of the cause of their martyrdom. He had been exiled for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. These souls will be martyred for the testimony which they held, which surely refers to their proclamation of coming judgment as the tribulation period descends into its darkest horrors. They will urge repentance and give warnings of a day of reckoning soon to come for those who do not repent. But their message will be rejected and they will be executed. At the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit will withdraw from the earth, removing all restraints on evil. That's what's scary. That's what I was talking about a week ago. They will have no help. Like right now we have the Holy Spirit that That's gives right. us strength right. to do it. But there they leave the earth. And that's when literally all hell breaks loose. Unprecedented malevolence will be unleashed as the demonic rulers express their rebellion against God by venting their anger in his people. The faithful will be ruthlessly killed for bearing God's message. Okay, so this is what I get confused of. Now, will the Christians go the first time and not have to go through this? Yes. Okay, so if you're a Christian and, and you're saved, then we don't have to go through this, correct? That's correct. All right, because I just get correct. so confused yes. on this. That's correct. But then... There will be those that come to know Christ, Christ after during this tribulation. And those will be the ones that are going to need to stand firm. But with the understanding that they're not going to take the mark. Okay. And they're, they are going to be persecuted for standing for their faith. Right. And, and it's like I said, slow to get to heaven. Right. Yeah. And some of that persecution will be unbearable. Yes. To where they won't be able to endure yes. and they end up taking right. the mark. So right. instead right. of wanting to go through that, right. Repent. Right. That's right. Get ready. Get, ready. Ready. Get, ready. Right. get ready. get ready. Get ready. Get ready. And um I do know this also that that they'll they'll be reminded by those that are are doing the witnessing to them that this is not their home. That even though they are going to bear this awful persecution they are going to be resurrected to heaven okay if they stay in their faith and that would be their new home you know that right that, right, right. That, yeah. mm-hmm. if, if they but can, could you if, if they can endure so right. could you imagine okay okay so we're captured and they just start cutting off 
portions of the fingers. Or they take tools and knives and just go down. And they don't want to kill you because they want you to suffer. As they're doing this to you, are you ready to take the mark of the beast? Are you ready to take the mark of the beast? No. Then another slash in the skin. Whatever they can do, they do it slowly. So you'll take the mark of the beast. But then you're doomed for hell. You're doomed for hell. There's no going back. Remember that, people. I know I keep saying that over and over and over. The faithful will be ruthlessly killed for bearing God's message, joining an exalted list of courageous prophets who suffered for speaking boldly against the evils of their times. The evil Queen Jezebel threatened Elijah's life because he condemned the prophets of Baal. Isaiah told Judah's kings that Jerusalem and the temple would be raised and the people marched into captivity. Tradition says he was ordered, sawed in two by King Manasseh. Jeremiah was chained in stocks for delivering to Judah's kings essentially the same message of of Isaiah. John the Baptist was beheaded for denouncing the immorality of Herod. Jesus consistently denounced the Jewish religious leaders and prophesied judgment. He was crucified. W.A. Criswell tells us that despite the possibility of severe consequences, it is always the prophet's nature and duty to proclaim judgment. Whenever there is a true prophet of God, he will preach judgment. These modern so-called ministers of God speaking all things nice, there is not any hell and there is not any devil in there is not any judgment of God. In our enlightened and sophisticated day, we stand up and speak the love of Jesus and we speak of peace and we speak of all the pretty and beautiful. But remember... The same book that tells us about the good tells us about the bad. The same revelation that speaks to us about heaven speaks about hell. The Bible that represents the Lord Jesus as the Savior is the same Bible that presents to us the devil as our enemy and adversary of damnation and destruction. The two go together. If there is not anything to be saved from, we do not need a savior. I remember growing up, Kay, and there was a lot of preaching on hell and damnation. And I just really felt the calling with you to tell people what's going to happen. How are they going to know? You're right. A lot of people are afraid to talk about it, but I look at it this way. They can either listen to the podcast or not, okay? I am sharing, we are sharing from our hearts and some of our experiences as well what Revelation says. It's in the, the Bible. Word of God, right, the truth. The, word the of truth. God, the right. word of God. It's going to happen, but it's not hardly preached on anymore. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. So hopefully you like our podcast. <laughs> yes. And... You can always get the book for yourself. It is going to happen. It is going to come. All of God's word is going to is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. Yeah. Fruitation. Is that the word that I couldn't say? What? Fruita- fruition. Fruition. <laughs> fruition. I want to say fruitation. 
God's fruitation is going to happen. Fruition. The fruit. I know. Makes me think of the fruit. The fruit is going to get ripe. Yeah, that's... It is. It is. Now. And just think of what you can bypass. That's the thing. No. It's up to you. You no. have that choice no. right now to make that choice. Well, and, and live in such a manner that uh, you're living in the abundance of God. The things of the world shall pass away. But and, his words will not. Right, but his word will not. And even in everyday life, you're not, your heart is not, my heart is not as troubled with the everyday things that are going on out there because I know, I know, I know what the end is. Well, not only that, Kay, you I, have the Holy Spirit giving you the strength and speaking to you throughout the day and leading and guiding you right. and telling you things. That's the coolest thing to me. I don't know what I would do without the Holy Spirit. When we read that part where he takes himself from the earth and they're gone, I could not even imagine that feeling. And I tell God that sometimes because I get mad at things and I get mad at him. And then I'll say, well, God, if you ever left me, that would be awful because (laughs) because I would hate that. I would hate to be doomed to hell with Satan. I just would. So I thank him for my for my salvation and for him loving me and, you know, protecting us. But I love talking about this. So I'm going to continue on here and I'm going to uh, read about the consequence of their martyrdom. As we have noted above, these faithful martyrs have, will suffer and give their lives for their dedication to the Lord. How will they benefit from their sacrifice? John gives us a clue. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Remember that in this part of John's account, he is describing his visions of scenes in heaven. In this vision, he sees an altar and the souls martyred for their faithful testimony are situated under the altar. To appreciate the full impact of what this means, We must turn back to the Old Testament. The altar was a prominent feature of the Israelite tabernacle and later the temple where the people offered animal sacrifices to God. Under the altar is where the priest poured out the blood of the sacrificed animals. The Greek word John uses to indicate the martyrdom of these souls is rendered as slain in the English translation we are using, but it can be just as accurately be translated as slaughtered, which is the term applied to the Old Testament sacrifices killed as offerings for God, to God. In the eyes of the world, these martyrs will be annihilated, their lives ended. But in reality, they will be slaughtered as a sacrifice God offered to God, who will bring them into his holy presence. This is the glorious meaning of their being under the altar. I needed that explained to me a little bit better. Now I understand a little bit better because I was thinking about that under the under the altar. I'm just thinking about that. Um, when they took them and the lambs and put them up on the altar and, right. the, blood and the blood drained right. down, right. Right. right? right. So what did you get out of that? Well, what I'm understanding from it is is that all of the souls that were martyred, okay, that that's that that's their blood under the altar. The cry of their martyrdom, the tribulation martyrs under the heavenly altar will remember 
the severity of their persecution on earth and will call to the Lord for justice. Wow. They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? This cry for vengeance places these martyrs squarely within the tribulation period rather than in the prior church age. Notice how different their plea is from that of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Stephen prayed for mercy, Lord, do not charge them with this sin, but those who suffer tribulation will be justified in calling for vengeance because the age of grace will have ended and the day of God's judgment will have arrived. Pastor and educator Lewis Talbot explains, A man prays according to the attitude God is taking toward the world and the dispensation in which he lives. This present age is the age of grace. God is showing mercy to the worst of men, and we are told to pray for them that despitefully use us. But in the tribulation period, God will be meting out judgment upon the earth. The martyrs cry for vengeance will be in perfect accord with God's will. God does give a lot of grace right now. A lot. I mean, to me, Every day we sin, every single day. And sometimes you're just kind of afraid to even look up and say, I did it again. Right. Please, God, I'm sorry I did it again. It's a gift. Grace and mercy are gifts from God. And boy, I am thankful for that. So the comfort of the martyrdom. The Lord heard the cry of the martyrs under the altar. And John records his response. A white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them, that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were, was completed. Although the time had not yet come for God to act on the martyr's request for justice, he will provide them with five comforts as they wait. Number one is the refuge. God gives these faithful servants a refuge by placing them under the altar, a position of safety and redemption. We have the wrong picture if we think of them as hiding and peeping out as from underneath a bed. Donald Gray Barnhouse explains that under the altar will be a position of honor. To be under the altar is to be covered in the sight of God by that merit which Jesus Christ provided in dying on the cross. It is a figure that speaks of justification. These martyred witnesses are covered by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine the power? Wow. Yes. I was trying to think about about if they were peeking out, you know. Uh But they're covered by him. Uh Number two, robes. God graciously awards to each martyr a white robe. We are familiar with clothing being awarded for singular achievement. Varsity high school athletes are awarded a letter jacket. Masters golf tournament winners, a green sports coat, and judo masters, a belt. When the prodigal son returned in Luke, his father called for the best robe to be put on him. Earlier, John told us that the white garments 
will be the standing reward issued to overcomers. The white robe will be awarded to these martyrs for facing and overcoming the extreme evil of the tribulation. The issuing of these robes raises a perplexing question. John tells us that tribulation martyrs will not receive their resurrection bodies until the tribulation ends. How can they wear clothing if they do not yet have their resurrected bodies? Dr. John Walford offers a possible answer, that they will have a body of some kind, but it is not the kind of body that Christians have now. That is the body of the earth, nor is it the resurrection body of the flesh and bones of which Christ spoke after his own resurrection. It is a temporary body suited for their presence in heaven, but replaced in turn by their everlasting resurrection body given at the time of Christ's return. Wow. Wow. Number three is rest. When the martyrs call for judgment against their slayers, they are told to rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. The fifth seal under which these events occur will initiate the first of two periods of the tribulation in which believers will suffer martyrdom. God must delay his answer to the cry for justice until the believers under the second tribulation period have been martyred. As the first set of martyrs wait, they are invited to take advantage of the delay and enjoy rest from their labors. As John wrote, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Wow. Yeah. That is just going to be an amazing time, huh? Rest. Rest. He tells us to do that now. That's true. Rest in me. Rest in me. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Four, retribution. The time for judgment will finally arrive and God will fulfill his promise to the tribulation martyrs. Another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. Here, in one of the Bible's most graphic depictions of God's wrath, The martyr's cry for justice is answered when the blood of their crushed oppressors will flow in a stream five feet deep and 200 miles long. That is hard to fathom or to think that blood could be that high and long. People don't understand how bad this is going to be. It's going to be awful. It's not Hollywood. No. 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 No, No, it's not. No, but heaven's better than Hollywood. Uh, Yes. Yes, it is. But I was just thinking of how Hollywood um, 
how they can make movies. Oh yeah. Yes. And yes. Do, and, you know, and put before you the unbelievable, you know, in your, in front of your eyes and think how they know, do that. But, but this is going <laughs> right. to be, yes. Yeah, going to be real life, real life. That's for sure. And Teresa number five is the reward. The last one, uh, the honor God bestows on these martyrs will be eternal. Even prior to their heavenly reward, they will receive honor during Christ's reign on earth during the millennium. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands, and they lived and reigned for Christ for a thousand years. When these martyrs are resurrected after the uh, tribulation period, they will rule with Christ in his millennial kingdom. Finally, these heroic believers will enjoy the peace and justice so long denied them. Wow. That was very interesting, Miss yeah, Kay. Very interesting. Well, it's time to end here, Kay. And the next time we meet, we're going to talk about the courage of martyrdom. So, okay, thanks for stopping by. Yes, hope to see you next week.